Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Sunlit Night follows an aspiring painter played by Jenny Slate from New York City to the farthest reaches of Arctic Norway for an assignment she hopes will invigorate her work and expand her horizons. In a remote village among locals, she meets a fellow New Yorker, played by Alex Sharp, who has come there in search of a proper Viking funeral, only to find that the chief, played by Zach Galifianakis, is but a reenactor from Cincinnati. The eclectic crew ranges from home to lost within the extreme and dazzling landscape of the far north, under a sun that never quite sets, and the high standards of an unforgiving mentor Francis must navigate between ambition, desire, obligation, and risk in order to find a way forward. The film is called The Sunlit Night, and we're joined today by the writer and executive producer of the film, and that would be Rebecca Dinerstein Knight. Welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having me. This started out as a a book written by you uh, based on your own life experiences. Talk talk us through a little bit about that and then the journey from there to where we are today with this wonderful film, The Sunlight Night. Sure. Um, I traveled to the Norwegian Arctic after college to write a book of poems. Um, I was given a very generous grant, and I never expected to receive much more support than that to write poetry, so I wanted to go somewhere really extraordinary, and I decided I would go as far north on the planet as I could, and I traveled to an island in the Norwegian Sea, about 95 miles north of the Arctic Circle, and I lived there for a year, um, which basically up there consists of two seasons. The, the Arctic summer in which the sun doesn't set and the Arctic winter in which the sun doesn't rise. And I wrote a book of poems about those two seasons, but living alone um, on that island, alone in an ex-mental asylum that had become an artist colony, I had a lot of time to myself and a lot of time to work. So I also wrote the first draft of a novel, The Sunlit Night, that I then took back to New York and edited very intensively and truly shared with Um, Jenny Slate as it was about to be published in 2015 and uh, she connected very deeply to the material and wound up sending me one of the most substantial intellectual responses I've received as an author um, such that when we started building out the project as a feature film it was very clear that she was the person to play the role and she came on board as the star and the producer and we've spent the last five years making this movie on location in the Arctic, editing it into um, its truest form. And we're really excited to be releasing it this month. Yeah, she's terrific in the film, by the way. And she's also a producer of the film as well as stars in it. So the two of you are working on this project. Where did the director, David Went, come into this project? Similarly, David had a very strong connection to the material. Beachside, which is the production company, um, it's a division of Big Beach, sent David um, the screenplay. Uh, They had enjoyed his earlier film, Wetlands, and admired him as a director. And uh, we sent him the screenplay and we got on the phone with him 
And he gave us a close reading of it down to the level of the seeds on the bagels in the bakery where one of the characters works. And we were so dazzled by his reading of it and by his vision for it that we all came together and it very quickly became a very international production. German director, Norwegian producers, American cast members and producers. And it's been an extraordinary journey of coming together across cultures since then. Well, the film is, as you described in your in your own life, going to a faraway place to try and find yourself. And but the film begins in New York City, with this wonderful family that Francis is part of, uh, and there's some wonderful people in in that uh, in that family. Um, her father is played by David Pamer. Her mother is played by Julie Hecht. And then they're just the cast of these people. It starts out a little bit like a Woody Allen comedy. And it's very funny, by the way. That part of the film is really well done. It's very self-contained. I, I really could have seen that becoming a whole nother film, just her life with her family and the different personalities and dynamics in that. Is there some basis of the film's depiction in your own life, or is it just, a, a, just part of the, the story itself? No, I think all fiction starts from some experience. So I did grow up in New York City in a very small apartment where my parents slept on the sofa bed. <laughs> that is that is very true. But by the time you arrive at a complete fictional work, so much has changed yeah. um, that it is really unrecognizable. And there, for for every quality of it that is true to my own life, there are 10 that are utterly fictional. So it is by no means a, a portrait of my family, but it is an expression of where I come from. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you felt the energy there. Oh, they're just terrific. A really a wonderful cast and, and everybody plays off each other. And Jenny Slade, who plays Francis in this film, really kind of sets a tone. And there is an interesting um, dramatic device that's used in the film, which is narration by her. And uh, I won't give away the op very opening of the film. The opening of the film sort of sets a tone for her and where she is in her life. And she's in art school and there's some things that happen and that sort of set this in motion when she comes back to her family life uh, at, at the apartment in New York. Uh, it's, it continues that. And, but it's, it's a part of the film that establishes her character, but it also establishes this tone which I think carries on throughout the film. It's, it's very unforced. Gosh, it's just one of those films you just can't wait to can see the, the story continue because her character and the way she plays it is so inviting and so open. I'm, I'm not sure I have a great question to ask you except to say that how, how did you and, and David and Jenny sort of how did this all work in terms of the dynamics of the story you were trying to tell? I so appreciate the connection you feel to the film. It's something that everybody who worked on it feels, and it's been, it's been a long time in the making, and it's a project that's hugely important to all of us. So I'm so glad you enjoyed it and connected to it, first and foremost. To answer your question, it came together um, out of that very feeling of inspiration and clarity around what we were trying to make. Um, Jenny, as I've said, had a hugely 
precise and substantial connection to the character and she brought her own self-possession and her own strength and her own humor and her own bravery to it. David had a very powerful uh, visual sense of the film and he, he found locations and he found ways of telling the story on screen that even as the story's writer and creator, I could not have anticipated. He really understood how to make it um, as immediate and as cinematic as possible. He brought everything close to us. He brought the goats close. He brought the orchids close. He brought everything really right within reach. I think we all understood that we were trying to capture beauty. We were trying to celebrate beauty. Mm -hmm. um, and that really became our focus as we moved from New York to Norway and committed to capturing what is really extraordinary about the human world and the natural world and bringing those things together. Yeah. Yes, thank you. It is very cinematic. The, the landscape, the place where we end up, and it's uh, Lofoten, Norway, is a character in the film as much as it can be in terms of just sort of the starkness of it, but the beauty of it. And, and, and it all works in the, in the context of Jenny, who is an artist, like her parents. She's, a, she's an artist as well, struggling to kind of find her own voice. And it is, uh, all of it just works in, in such a wonderful, um, the continuity of it, the, just every, I just can't, I don't know. I mean, I, it just works really well. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We should, we should bring you on the road with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, it reminds me, I mentioned uh, earlier uh, before we got on the air here that it reminds me of these films from the, from the seventies. There, there's a, there's a sort of a, there's a, a stripped down storytelling. There isn't, a, there isn't a, a, anything more than what is necessary to tell the story of these people as they come into each other's lives. And I think that's the thing that I'm, I so appreciate. Uh, the, uh, it's very, very minimal, but there's so much in sort of the interior uh, of, the, of the characters themselves. They all bring these life stories into the film that while not a lot is spoken about it, it comes in the way that they interact with one another and the way that they bounce off of one another as well. And I, I think that's why, for me, that's such, a, that's such a tough thing to find, a tough thing to kind of zero in on stripping it all down to its essence and then allowing the film to breathe, allowing the characters to breathe. And that's, that's what I see here. We mentioned um, Jenny Slate as, uh, as Francis, but Alex Sharp is wonderful in it. Pretty off Solheim plays the uh, plays Niles, who is the mentor, the the artist who he's go she's going to be working for for this summer um, in Norway. He's wonderful in the film. I mentioned uh, Alex Sharp, who comes into the film as Yasha, uh, who is a, a former New Yorker, a, a New Yorker like Jenny. Um, these characters are are so much about renewal going through the fire and coming out on the other side of it. Now, everyone in some manner of speaking is sort of in the process of doing that. Um, talk to us a little bit about Alex as, as, as uh, Yasha in the film. Alex really connected to um, the vulnerability, the grief and the 
exploration um, that were central to the character of Yasha. Um, he was enormously excited to bring his training and his personal wherewithal to the role. We spent a lot of time talking about the book and about the character. We had the opportunity to work really closely together both in New York and in Norway. And um, he really gave it his all. And you can see that in, in every minute of his performance. He has one of those faces that just is emotive. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's very, it's really, you can kind of read his, his internal character's thoughts and their feelings based on the way he's able to bring that part of his body into this work. Um, and, and, and Nils, who uh, is harsh and, and uh, not, uh, not a very friendly person, who is coming out of his own trial, as we know from his backstory, he's sort of been, uh, uh, an artist who appears to be on the downside of his career or maybe uh, almost a forgotten figure and he's trying to reestablish himself and that's how his story comes into this. Um, is that a fair assessment of his? It is an entirely fair assessment and, and Friedrich really, um, I, that character is so important to me Personally, as a writer, um, I felt that the character of Nils was absolutely the crux of the novel, and it was so important to find the right actor, and I could not have asked for a more perfect performance than the one we get from Friedrich Soheim. Um, it's a very challenging role, it's exactly as you say, because he begins from such a gruff and unlikable place, and he has so much ground to cover, and he, he is not always his best self, and he asks a lot of the audience in terms of their patience and their forgiveness and in turn and from Francis and Friedrich was really able to find the line that links that gruffness to that ultimate redemption and um, his performance is unforgettable and I'm really thankful to him for it. Yeah. One of our minor listeners we're speaking with Rebecca Dinerstein Knight. She is the writer as well as one of the executive producer of the film The Sunlit Night and the Sunlit Night is coming out on July 17th. You definitely should be looking for this. I'm sure it'll be uh, a virtual the theatrical release as well as other platforms. Uh, so be looking for this film. So there are other characters in the film besides the primary ones who are all dealing with some kind of a trauma or some kind of a, a impediment to their moving forward in their life. There are a couple of minor characters, again, as these films from the 70s were so good at, as these minor characters are less uh, central to the telling of the story, become vivid in, in their portrayals and the way that they approach the characters. I would mention David Pamer as, as Jenny's father, uh, Zach Galifianakis, who plays the part of the Viking chief, who's, who just being on screen, you're expecting something out of the ordinary, just his appearance in a film. You're not ever quite sure where he's gonna go with his character, but he comes off as someone who's deeply committed to being this Nordic Viking chief and who doesn't overplay it and just as part of this wonderful array of other people. David Pamer as her, as her father is wonderful, Julie Hecht as her mother, wonderful. But I, one of the things that's key to all of this, and uh, uh, Jillian Anderson as well, who plays, uh, uh, Yasha's stepmom, all of them work well because they play off of Jenny really well. Jenny has this character, Jenny Slate, who plays, uh, we mentioned Francis, has this ability to kind of absorb other people's worst impulses 
and 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 not be and turn it around into something almost positive. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, and I just thought that that was so key in in terms of the telling of the story of being able to to get to the point where you love pretty much everyone in the film. I just it's it's just a film you you just like all the people in it and you like where they're going. But Jenny is the key because she doesn't she's able to take them and turn them into something that we can all appreciate and relate to. And Jenny is absolutely the key, and, and she that is definitely what her work is in the film, yeah. I so appreciate films like this. These don't come along very often. I, I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for your work. I wanna thank you for, for your work with Jenny and with David uh, Went and all of these, uh, all these elements that went into a truly special film. I truly, Thank uh, you so much, Mike. I can't tell you how much that means to me, and I'll extend it to the rest of our team as well. And it's really wonderful to hear a response like this. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Uh, we've been talking with the writer uh, as well as the executive producer of the film The Sunlit Night, and that would be Rebecca Dinerstein Knight. And thank you so very much for being here today on Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Um, all my best. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 